Whether this is your first summer at camp or your manyth, this summer is going to look different than any other one ever before. The kids coming to camp are coming off of a whole year in a global pandemic, and that means you need to be ready for something a little bit different than we've ever seen before. In this episode, tune in to hear about Oliver and my experience working with kids in the global pandemic so we can give you a snapshot of what's to come and how to best prepare for this summer. Because remember, no matter what the situation and no matter what the campers are bringing to you this summer, it's still your job to be a first-class counselor. This is First Class Counselors, another innovative podcast brought to you by Camp Hacker. First Class Counselors is dedicated to young and up-and-coming camp mavericks. By equipping and empowering our on-the-ground staff, camp directors can rest easy knowing that our campers are having the true life-changing experience that parents expect. Find our show notes and our blog for camp leaders and professionals at camphacker.tv. Hello, Camp Pros. This is Oliver Gregan. My pronouns are he, him, and I'm the Executive Director of YMCA Camp Winona in De Leon Springs, Florida. And I'm Matt Hansberger. My pronouns are he, him, and I'm the Executive Producer of Podcasting at Go Camp Pro, an experiential educator in Toronto, Ontario, and you are listening to First Class Counselors. This is a series for camp directors to give to their counselors as they hire and prepare them for the upcoming summer. And as we say, every single episode, we believe here that camp counselors have the most important job at camp because their abilities can make or break a camper's week and they hold the keys to a camper coming back year after year. And no matter what the summer looks like, we want to make sure they're coming back. So camp counselors, this is for you. So thank you for tuning in to First Class Counselors. Here we're going to cover one specific topic and cover the essentials as fast as we can. And you can tell how great our internet connection is by how fast and how well this is going to go. Are you ready? It's the needs and knows. The can't go without. The fundamentals. The basics. We're trying here, folks. Uh, we, are, we, are, we are not quite at the days yet where camp internet um, is perfect. So, uh, but I'm still grateful for Oliver for being here with us. Um, Oliver in his new fancy schmancy job. Um, we talked about that last episode and the one before it a little bit too. Um, but no matter what your internet is, Oliver, I'm grateful for you being here. And I'm also grateful for those of you out there who uh, listen to our show every week. And I'm even more grateful for those people who share the show uh, with their friends and nerd out by talking uh, about camp and about first class counselors with their friends. I know there are some of you out there. So thank you for uh, those of you do, who do that. And if you want to see all of our shows and find out more about what we do here on First Class Counselors, check out gocamp.pro slash FCC. That's gocamp.pro slash FCC. So what are we talking about today? Well, this episode is for the first summer you are back to in-person programming after the pandemic. Matt and I are here to share some of our experiences hanging out with kids during this pandemic to give you an inside scoop on what you as a camp counselor can expect this summer. And let me know, or we're going to let you know, it's going to be different, but we are here to tell you it is going to be okay. Yes. 
different is not bad. Different is just different. So on this episode, we're going to be speaking uh, mostly from our perspective. And we wanted to uh, first get out of the way that we are not child psychologists. We are trained summer camp professionals, and we've been hanging out with kids for um, the last manyth years of our lives. Uh, but we, we, we're not psychologists, and we don't know every little thing about the mental health of campers, especially when it comes to this year. So we're going to break down this episode into uh, the wee ones, so kindergarten to grade two-ish, uh, grade two to grade six, and grade seven and up, so teenagers. And that everything is kind of an ish in this episode. It's just two guys' experience working with kids. Uh, so for me, uh, my perspective is coming from an all-boys elementary school, so I see kids every day, kindergarten to grade eight, and also I've gotten to socially distance, hang out with my four-year-old nephew uh, a few times in the past little bit. So some stories and perspectives, that's mine. Oliver, what, where, where are you coming from for this one? So for myself during this pandemic, I obviously was at camp for a little bit, left camp, started working in Connecticut at what I would call a substitute location for virtual schools. So kids were coming to us to essentially go to virtual schools. So it was like in person, but they were still virtually in the classroom and it was a way for them to socially distance. Uh, and then on top of that, we were doing an after school program as well, essentially, um, and a few other little things here and there, like little events and stuff. And most of those kids that we were working with were from fifth to the eighth grade. Um, every once in a while with some of the after school, we might get a younger kid or two who would come in uh, to our youth center and uh, be a part of the program. So that was one of the big ones that I got to spend a, a fair amount of time with kids. And now that I'm running an overnight camp here in Florida, uh, we have hosted our first mini camp. Well, actually, technically was hosted right before I got here uh, back in February. And then we just hosted one in March about two weeks ago. Um, <clears throat> And with that, we were working with campers from 6 to 17, but we had campers on site and staying the night, which will be interesting to also talk about a little bit as we go through this. And I will say that, uh, and we'll probably hit on this point later, but the experience that I had up in Connecticut working with kids and the experience I'm currently having in Florida, um, as many imagine, is very and vastly different when working with kids as far as what COVID procedures have been what they will be and uh we'll go into that a little bit but i'm not going to go too indefinite into the show i will say right off the bat if this is something you're interested in and getting to talk to someone who's seen two vastly different practices please shoot us an email with our contact information below um, and in the show notes and then that way you can talk to somebody who's kind of going through the ringer a little bit with it and, and getting to see a lot of different perspectives yeah, that's that's interesting, Oliver. Because I will be speaking from uh, like us in Ontario, Canada. I would say we're probably on the, on the spectrum of of open. <laughs> the states being wide open, we we could talk a whole podcast about that. Uh, on a, on a states being wide open to almost being completely locked down and and very. Um, uh, very careful about our COVID restrictions. That's where I'm at in, in Ontario right now. Um, so take every everything we say kind of with that in mind, and, and we'll try to call out where we're at in terms of that, but know that I'm going to be speaking almost always from uh, like you're socially distanced, you're in a smaller cohort, you can only share equipment in that cohort, um, we're masking, we're, we're pretty uh, hand sanitizing all the time, like we're, we're doing a lot of those things. Um, for us. And I don't know if Oliver, you want to go into that now or as you go into it, but I thought as much context as we can give in this one. Um, and like we say, every episode, follow your camp's rules, follow your state's rules, follow your province's rules, follow the rules first. Uh, yeah. I'll touch on it just uh, quickly. 
but I'll, what I'll say is whenever I'm referencing something specifically, I'll say, I'll say this was something we're doing in Connecticut, or this is something we're doing here in Florida. Okay. Um, just so that you get a good idea as the listener, as I say something that it's not, uh, that you can kind of get a better gauge of the site specific and what was going on while I've been in both those locations. I think location is extremely important right now because it's not just the practices that are going to be put in place, but I've noticed very much that the practices that have been in place and have remained in place have created a completely different culture for what people are looking to do come this summer. Um, mm -hmm. And not only that, but, you know, I still have connections up north with Connecticut and other camps across the country. And with those connections, it's having conversations about what are your practices going to be? What are you going to be doing? Um, so today we're talking about, you know, what to expect from kids as they're coming in. And it's really important to have that perspective of what the state has been practicing, because that's how kids are going to be acting when they come to your camp this summer. If you have had a state that's a little bit more freedom, then they're not gonna have the same expectations of practices as um, a state that's been a little bit stricter on what their the expectations are gonna be. It, it's very complicated um, <laughs> and I will do my best to be as honest and forthcoming as possible uh, while also not incriminating any parties as far as COVID practices. Well, well, I do, I do think though, Oliver, that what what unites our experiences, even though they're, the kids might be coming from different places, every kid is coming from a global pandemic, right? And whether whether this is your first summer back or your second summer back, and you're listening to this, we're we're kind of gearing this towards your first summer back. But um, you know, kids have been through a global pandemic, and they all have been through some sort of modified schooling, right? I think that would be fair to say is that school has been modified. There's been more rules around it, even if the the time period for those rules have been a little bit lapsed. And we have no idea necessarily where they are coming from specifically as well, right? So, you know, kids in um, in Ontario, if they're homeschooled, obviously they don't necessarily have to follow those same rules in a the pandemic. They, you could argue that they should, but they might not. So them coming from a homeschooled environment to, um, to some homeschooled environments where it's a little more uh, loosey-goosey to a camp where it's going to be pretty strict that's going to be a different experience than a kid coming from a school that was, you know, shut down because of COVID or they've been virtual and coming, but they have all been through a global pandemic. And I think we have probably talked this preamble to death. Don't you think? Yeah. Yeah. I, and even <laughs> still like adding points is not hard to do, right? Yeah. Like a great yeah. example is you talked about how strict camp is going to be, but some camps are going through extraordinary measures to make sure that camp is not going to be as strict as people are anticipating. Right. So you might be, you know, a counselor who's showing up on the camp and you'll go through testing. You, they're making sure that you're vaccinated. I've heard of one camp that's buying vaccinations to make sure that every staff member they have is vaccinated come summer. Right. Um, so that's the crazy thing, too, is know the camp that you're going to, because the camp that you're going to, if you're in a very strict area as far as COVID practices go and now your camp is going to be a very open facility that's going to have a whole laundry list of campers who are going to be probably really uncomfortable with this idea of social interaction is okay like this again right where a lot of us are anticipating this gradual move into having social interaction again a camp that maybe putting the funding in or the practices in or they have the belief that they can do camp safely as though it was a normal summer 
that shock to somebody who's been so strictly following these rules for the last year is going to be difficult to get used to. And, um, and I'm, I'm, I'm kind of wondering what that's going to look like. You know what, Oliver, I, you know, I, I think that what's, it, what's occurring to me here is that we should talk a little bit about, and I'm glad we've talked about this, about the perspective of a counselor going into this before we even get into what the kids need, because you are going to be going to a camp and by agreeing to work there, you've agreed to follow those rules. And um, as with any camp rule in any summer, you need to, when it comes to facing the campers, you need to be um, the best follower of those rules. We're going to talk about kids and their personalities and how they may or may not be more prone to fall to rule following. Um, but you as the camp counselor, you have signed up to work at that camp and those are the rules. Now, if you're not comfortable with something or you feel like something is unsafe, um, then you need to make sure you're talking to your camp director or the human resources person or your direct supervisor to make sure that that is clear. And if that's the type of environment that you feel comfortable working in. But when it comes to smaller things like, um, you know, maybe the, the camp rules are you can't touch each other. You can't like high five somebody. You have to elbow bump or you have to, there's no touching. You can't touch each other. You can't let it slide once because as soon as you let it slide once and that's the new rule for those kids and it's going to, and then the other kids are going to be like, well, why aren't they doing it? Why aren't they doing it? And that'll, every age group will notice that and do that. So um, to preface this as a camp counselor, you need to be the best rule follower of everybody. Yeah. And if you're a returning counselor, you know that those rules get harder to follow as summer goes on. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> if you are, you know, if you're getting into your, you know, weeks four, five, six, seven, you might have new campers who are coming onto sites who you need to set the model for what the precautions need to be. And if you're starting to fall apart as far as what the rules and regulations are for this policy, you could be putting camp in a, at a huge risk. Um, so it's, you know, when once upon a time, it may have been like, all right, you know, we're not focused as much as we should be. This is a scolding coming from the camp director. Now you're legitimately putting people's health at risk because you're becoming lackadaisical and not following the rules. So that is something to think about um, for sure. And I, I hope camp directors are also thinking about that because, uh, it's not just about, oh, making sure that everyone feels good and ready. It's about making sure everyone is still formally following the regulations that are put in place. Because if somebody was to get sick at your camp and that hole is poked because of a mistake made, right, that's enough to release the floodgate. And you as the counselor don't want to be the one who accidentally poked that hole. Right. For sure. And with that being said, we do have a lot of things to cover that are a little bit more positive. So let's get started on what we're going to see when our campers are coming to camp and we'll take, like we said, a little bit of our personal experience and then our knowledge of camp, combine the two and kind of give you an anticipation of what we're going to be seeing at camp this summer, just in general. So we're not going to talk so much about like what your rules will be, but if some rules were in place, what that might look like when, in, when kids are going around them. So you can anticipate those things. And we'll start off with our wee ones or our kindies to grade two, as Matt has, has wrote them into our show notes. Uh, Matt, what are some things that you want to know right off the bat as far as wee ones go? For sure. I, the, the, one of my favorite parts of my day at school is getting to hang out with the kindergartens because uh, 
most of them, they know what, I feel like they know what COVID is, but they don't have like the weight of it under, under their skin. Like they don't feel it as heavy as older kids do. And they just still want to play. They have like the wonder of childhood and they, they buy into things and they want to run around and, and they want to, they want to have fun. Um, and that's what I love about them. I find that um, they also love goofy humor. They love, and this is like a general thing about, about young kids that age, but I was running a, like a small team building exercise with them and I had a bag of stuff that we had to balance on a tarp that we were all holding. And I like, every time I went into that bag of stuff, I did it kind of in a different way. Like one time I kind of like put it on top of my head and was like rooting around and throwing stuff that I didn't need out of it. And they loved it. Um, so things that you can, they're still going to love all of those things because they're not feeling the weight of a global pandemic like you or myself or Oliver are. So um, the one thing I said that you should look out for with them is just a bit of decreased socialization and especially with other adults. I know at least for here in Ontario, everything is all bubbles and pods and small groups and households aren't really supposed to mix at all. So if you are having one of those young ones come to your camp that have been in that situation, they might be a little less comfortable to uh, to warm up to you as another adult because they really haven't seen many other adults except through a screen. Um, and they might not have seen other kids. So it's going to take them longer to warm up to each other and longer to warm up to you than normally. Kindergarten's usually like you're the coolest person. You don't have to do anything. It takes a little bit longer, but in my experience, they still, they still will warm up to you. Um, so get ready to have some fun reminding of them of rules and all those things that little kids also need reminders with there's more reminders that need to be had um but that's what i think you can expect from some kindergartens and grade ones and grade twos yeah i like to imagine that kid who's attached to the parent's leg when they first you know come to camp or this is the first time you know being at a location without mom and dad and they don't want mom and dad to leave i feel like that's going to be a lot more common right because you have some kids who have almost spent every day of this past year and a, and a little bit more at this point with mom or with dad. And now you're taking that security blanket away from them. It, it, it's going to be a complicated and difficult thing for them to do. Uh, <clears throat> to continue on Matt's note of them not really having the weight of COVID on them, I like to say that they don't have this big picture idea as well, right? They're, they're still in this small, right in front of them type of lifestyle. So it's, I wear a mask, he wears a mask, we all wear masks. But then all of a sudden, one person is deciding to not wear a mask. That's abnormal, right? It's not following what group etiquette is. And when a kid is still a kid, right, an established rule or routine is, is the fallback, right? They haven't learned to question um, outliers yet. So you might see a huge issue with campers. If one kid is deciding not to wear a mask, others might follow suit. Um, and I just kind of noticed this working um, with the kids in Connecticut was if one kid decided, oh, I don't need to wear my mask while playing air hockey, then the five kids around the table were all like, oh, cool. Like, we don't need to wear masks while playing air hockey either. And then I was like, no, 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 you can all still wear your masks while playing air hockey. It's not that aggressive of a sport to take the wind out of you that badly. If it is, we might need to talk about some other forms of exercise. Uh, but, and that's important. It, it, and just note that like 
when one kid starts taking off his mask and the rest are going to follow. And that's just because it, there's still that routine that follow the leader, right? They get into the line and they follow with the line. And then eventually they get a little older and they start to learn like, oh, like so-and-so got out of the line. And it, it, they just learn to develop a, that ability to question rules and routines. But the better you put those routines in place, right? The better it's going to help. And I'll talk about that in a little bit more. But Matt, do you have another kind of point you wanted to add? Yeah, I think that uh, just those like small reminders and anything that you can turn into like a song or uh, something a little catchy uh, will help them remind each other. You know, the the kids at my school really like to, they still like to like run and tag and like kind of tackle each other or just like they're not very aware of their bodies. So um, making little games or little reminders where they can remember to, to, uh, so we say it like airplane arms, like hold your airplane arms out. And if you can't touch anybody, then you're, then you're doing okay. Is it two meters or six feet? Exactly. No, but, but it helps them. They, they can contextualize what that looks like. Um, and uh, just those little reminders, cause they're not aware of their bodies, right? They, they'll, I've seen kids like run full, like head first towards each other in a hula hoop. And if you don't say like, Oh, Hey, Billy, uh, can you see your friend ahead of you? And then they kind of clue in and look up and avoid certain disasters. So anything you can turn into uh, a song or a game or just help them be aware of their space. Yeah. I, I, I've just noticed with you know, the younger the kid is, the less knowledge they understand about personal space bubbles yeah. in this. And I like your idea of having the airplane. Um, but yeah, they're just not aware of it, right? Like, that restriction isn't there. Like, putting on a mask becomes an unconscious thing. It's just kind of on your face and it's something you wear kind of like a t-shirt or a pair of socks, right? It doesn't change much, but with that, with the socially distanced aspect, that's a huge change in behavior. And on that note, what I said earlier was I was going to talk a little bit about more routines. I've noticed there's a huge struggle with adding additional things to their routine, right? So um, do they know to go and wash their hands on their own? Not really. But if you're working with these littler kids and you have a routine of, hey, we're not just going to run straight into the dining hall. We go to the hand washing station first and we wash our hands. Uh, And then they start to build that into their routine and it makes it work pretty well. And, uh, And finally, just understanding that these kids are still learning some basic human practices, right? They're still learning like please and thank you and to like not just go into someone's personal baseball in the first place, right? Like that's a normal thing for a child to do. If I don't know how many times I've said, my name's not jungle Jim. I'm not meant to be climbed on to a kid who just like wants to (laughs) grab onto my arm and have me lift them into the air. So know that they're still learning. It's that understanding. The hardest part about this is when we move into our next age group is explaining to them why maybe some of these littler kids are getting away with maybe a broken rule or two here because they're still learning where when we get to this next group, our eight grades, three and six, you know, they're going to be expecting others to follow the rules and be pretty upset if they have to follow them, I think, and others aren't, which Matt, if you want to kick us off and kind of get us going. For sure. Yeah. So my experience with the, the I, I find that there's such like three to six, I kind of just, when we were making our show notes, I kind of made this out of convenience, but like 
the I find that the threes and fours are are really great in terms of being respectful of the rules. They follow along. They they have that like kindy spirit of just like wanting to play and being really engaged. And then when you get to five and six, they can start getting closer to the teens. Um, so I'll talk more. You know, from my experience with the three fours and then some of the fives, I find them to be pretty respectful and understanding of the rules. They understand the severity of COVID um, and they're worried and nervous about those things. They're coming into camp with some of those fears and anxieties. And that's, I think, why they're following the rules. And I guess it depends on, you know, where they're coming from, what school they're coming from, what their home situation is like and how serious things are at home. But um, for the most part, I have found that those guys are pretty uh, bought into trying new things. I can get them to play a game that's kind of weird and they like the variety of those things too. So if the game is a little bit strange because I've had to modify some things because of COVID, they're pretty willing to go with the flow. They'll give me their opinions about it, but usually in a pretty respectful way and they'll give things a try. As you get up to five and six, all of those things become a little less willing and a little more adversarial. Um, so I'll save my points for teens for them, but um, especially for those threes and fours uh they love competition they love trying new things which i think is the same as a normal year but um i think definitely look forward to hanging out with them because they in my experience they're a pretty fun crowd yeah for me i'm finding that there's this impatience with being reminded right like mm. they know the rule and then you have to you have to be like oh yeah don't forget we have to wash our hands and it's like I just washed my hands and you go, right. well, you did just like stick your finger up your nose and then try and <laughs> like wipe it on another child. Right. And, and I do agree with you. Like the, those threes and fours that, um, that age group, grade three and four, um, they are very much like have that spirit of like, I'm going to wear my mask and do what I'm supposed to do. Right. Like there, there is that natural ability to rule fall. And then you get into that teenage group and it's a little bit harder. Uh, I, and I agree. If you're if you're playing games and you're making it playful, that makes it possible. So uh, I've, I mentioned in a previous podcast. I don't know if I've done it in this one, but camp ran here at Camp Winona last summer. And one of the things that I've really loved walking around camp and kind of checking out all the bathroom facilities or wherever we have hand washing stations now, it's not the same hand washing song at each station. So each mm. station has a different song that you can sing while washing your hands to make it entertaining. And that just meant that, you know, it's not repetitive. It's, ooh, what's the song going to be at the sink today? Or um, is, that the, is that the happy birthday sink? Or is that the alligator sink? Or is that the happy hippo sink, right? And it's just, what's the theme of the sink you're going to get when you go there? And That's fun. From the underst yeah, from the understanding I've gotten from previous staff, from staff from last summer, campers would go out of their way to find like the song they wanted to sing for washing their hands that day. And it, and it made it just a little bit easier of a task to get done. Cause it was like, Oh, what do we get to sing? Or what do we get to do today? Mm. Uh, but I will say space is still an issue, right? There's still a little bit of like hand touching and stuff at times that may um, cross a line because they just forget, right? They're doing what a normal kid would probably do and then hands go on hands go on hands or hands touch each other or one will hang on another i i've noticed this especially with boys um where they are a little bit more physical uh and that's not to say that i haven't seen the girls doing it here at camp where they get a little bit too close but um, I've just noted that this past mini camp, I had to tell the boys about 15 times to stop trying to crawl on each other. Uh, <laughs> there is, 
There is one thing that I do know has become a pretty big one, and that is they now recognize that large crowds are kind of scary. So if they're seeing, and this, you might not be doing this at your camp where you have more than the allotted number of people gathering, but most kids have been tucked away in a place where they've been in, like Matt was saying, pods or small groups. They haven't really seen even a gathering of people over 25 or 50. And it, when they come to camp, it's going to be a very different situation. And with people who are not part of the normal pod. So that means these large crowds are something that they're unaccustomed to for the last year, and they might not be ready for. So just know that even though it might not seem like a lot of people, 25, 30, 50, even 100 people in some states is going to be allowed, uh, or even more in other states, um, that might be a really scary thing for some of your kids. Other kids might be comfortable with it. Like I was saying, down here in Florida, they have crowds. It's a thing. I've seen them. I personally am staying away from them. But <laughs> on that note, they are there and kids are not accustomed to them and they might not go into joining them. So just note that whatever activities you might be planning or running, you might notice that some of your kids are staying off to the side because they have learned pretty explicitly from their parents and stuff to keep their distance, right. uh, which is my last and final point that I wanted to add was parents. We talked about it with the youngsters that the kids are going to be a little bit more attached to their parents with these older kids they're going to lean into what of their parents have been teaching them for the last year. So whatever the rules and regulations that the parents have enforced, that's what's going to hit strongest with these kids. So if there are parents who are, who have been a little bit more lackadaisical with the rules, and then you have parents who are a little bit stricter with the rules, that entire situation is coming to camp. And it's going to be up to you kind of as a counselor to get the kids who are on one side of the spectrum and the other side of the spectrum to try and find a happy medium and understand when somebody isn't willing to take the steps towards that medium, right? Uh, like, for example, if one camper is taking extremely strict provisions on COVID, we need to teach the rest of the cabin to respect their wishes as far as that goes. Yeah. And on the vice versa, if somebody's being, you know, pretty open about the fact that they don't care about wearing a mask, they don't care about uh, maybe vaccinations, they don't care about their social distance. It's about getting that person, you know, to say, hey, look, that is something I don't agree with, but that's something that you need to think about um, getting them to understand that somebody else's safety is felt at risk because of the lifestyle that they're taking on. And may you don't need to change their minds, right? You don't have to tell that kid, like, vaccinations are the only way to be safe, like you have to wear a mask unless it is required by your camp. You don't need to get that child wrapped around those ideas because it's not your job really to force the parents, parents' decision-making on how they raise their child. Mm -hmm. um, yep. It might be a conversation you have to have with the camp director about it, but on that note, like you may have a child who's like that and having a conversation with them about those things is going to be important and understanding that you're going to have a child who might be the opposite. And it's going to be a very difficult navigation. Even I am having a tough time navigating how to explain it during the podcast. Right. And I've thought about this before talking about it. So yeah, yeah. realize that when you're, when you're going into these situations, it's going to be complicated and have an understanding that everyone's going to be trying to hopefully do the best that they can do with it. Um, and that, the, you know, 
parents have been teaching, parents have been teaching, and that's who's been the teacher for these kids for the last year. Um, and some of them have not gotten to have those role models of school teachers, coaches, other peers, right? It's been a very enclosed learning. So um, complicated for th- sure. That's that's okay. huge. It's huge, right? Because uh, you, it, it reminds me that it's even more important that you as a camp counselor are very clear on the rules and the why behind the rules that your camp is giving as well. Um, because I, I'm going to talk about this coming up, uh, but uh, kids want to know why. And I think it's kind of nice to make sure they understand why the rules are how they are. Um, and knowing what your camp's position is on when a kid st- uh, starts talking about anti-vaxxing or no mass, the need for no mass, or, you know, when, when quote unquote facts get thrown around and I'm just, whatever your um, leaning is on these, these, uh, these hot takes, I suppose, whatever facts are getting thrown around you as, a counselor need to be able to respond saying, okay, you know, I, I understand that you think this and at camp, this is what we are. This is what we are doing. And whether, whether you can go on to a policy that says, well, the camp policy is that you need to wear a mask period. Easy. The other thing that you can lean on is your camp's values and mission, right? So if safety is in our mission statement, you know, at camp, we want to make sure not, not only that everyone is physically safe and we can, we can, you know, we can debate about, uh, you know, whether this mask is, phys- is, is safe or not. Uh, full disclosure, I do believe that <laughs> masks are safe. But if a camper wants to debate that with you, you can be like, well, I'm not a scientist and you're not a scientist. So we don't know these things to be true. What I do know is that you're making Timmy feel really unsafe and feel really nervous and feel really upset. And that's not what we do at camp. So we can have our beliefs, but our beliefs don't make people feel unsafe in those uh, certain ways. So I think leaning on your mission um, or whatever the vision is, and then also asking your director of, you know, how do we respond to those things? That would be a great um, thing that every camp director is thinking about right now, for sure. Yeah. And if you do have a camper who is there and they're saying something along the lines of like, well, my mom and dad told me, or my parents or my adults told me that you know, mask wearing isn't necessary or that vaccines aren't important or some other form of information, but your camp's policy is mask wearing or your camp's policy is socially distancing. If those are the practices that have been put in place, and you have a camper who's arguing against them um, and saying like, well, hey, my parents said these things aren't important. Uh, a very, I don't want to say simple response, but a way to have that conversation with them might be something well, if your parents do feel like that, that is their feelings, that's understood, but your parents also felt it was important for you to be here at camp and they understood the policies and restrictions that we were putting in place so that you could have this possible. And if they understood that and were willing to send you to camp, then they are going to expect you to be respectful, to be responsible, caring, and honest with us when we say, hey, let's follow these rules. Right? I love that. That's great. Let's do what was in place. And your parents are expecting to do that. You threw some YMCA. Right? Now, <laughs> you threw some YMCA core values into oh. that statement too. Good work. <laughs> oh, hundred percent. It's just what I do. Right. <laughs> uh, but, and I think that's so important uh, that if you can connect what they might be construing in their brain with what their 
parents are telling them and what camp policies are, and you can put those into the same category at one point, that might help them come around to the idea of, okay, this is what we need to do. And that won't just be for this grade three and six, that's going to be about this grade that we're going to go into with our preteens and grades seven through 12, uh, who this might be a little bit more of a conversation that you're having with them. I know for myself with teens, this has been a interesting experience because it has involved one of my favorite things to do as a camp director. And I'll hold off on that so you can feel the anticipation as a listener. And I'll let Matt kind of start us off and say what his experience has been with, you know, these grades seven through 12s that he's been with. Oh, nice. I, I like that, Oliver. Building anticipation. Uh, so I'll preface this with my experience, again, is with uh, grade sevens and eights. So I haven't experienced the, the full-on teenagers yet. The teenagers that I've interacted with in Canada, we, we hire camp staff from 16, uh, 16, age 16 on. So that's, uh, what, going into grade 11, uh, I think. So, we, so the 11s and 12s, the staff that I've done training with and uh, run online games with, they seem awesome. So, uh, but that's that, those are camp staff. They're awesome people. The students that I've worked with in grade sevens and eights, specifically the sevens and eight boys, um, I have found these guys to be uh, the toughest when it comes to uh, rules and restrictions. And part of that is uh, psychological. I mean, with boys, especially if that sevens and eights, we know that they are a little more wired to resist rules and restrictions. That is just something about them. When it comes to girls, we know that girls of those ages of that age are a little bit ahead of boys. So they're operating mentally a couple years ahead of them. Um, so the, the boys, at least I've seen the rules and restrictions are hard for them because the, and they're hard all the time, but especially when there's a million new rules because of COVID, right? We're really triggering that adversarial part of their brain and it's firing on all cylinders. So um, it's not that they won't necessarily do it. They'll follow the rules. If a rule is a rule, they'll follow it, but you might get some attitude about it. So don't take it personally. Um, That just might be how it is. And you might need to remind them. But what's really important here is uh, that you're very, very clear about what your camp's hard and fast rules are that you absolutely will not be flexible on. So if you have to mask, if you have to cross cohort, you need to uh, be very firm and tell them that you are going to be firm about those things and explain why the why is important. This is a camp policy. Oliver had a great statement there, but, um, you know, they need to know at least where that line is and they might try to modify that line. They will, if they're anything like my experience, they will try to modify that line and it's your job and and being honest with them and saying, you know what, guys, I I wish you could do these. I say this a lot. I say, you know, I wish that we could do those things too. And I get it that it's really frustrating. Um, And these are the rules. This is what we can't be flexible on. Um, And I I think a conversation with that's worked really well. If you, if you have time to have the conversation of talking about the locus of control, which is basically um, what are the things we can control and what are the things we can't control? And uh, that conversation, we say, okay, these are what we can't control. We can't, share equipment cross cohorted no matter how bad you want to do it we have to wear our masks 
no matter how bad you don't want to wear a mask. Those are things that we can't control um, because if we if we if we fall if we don't break those rules, then uh, you know uh, you might not be able to be at school. I might not uh, be able to be at school because we're in unsafe situations, and we don't want that. So that can't change. But let's talk about what we can change. We can find a new game to play. We can do a lot of these things. Um, and teaching them to kind of set aside those can'ts has been pretty successful for me in the past. The other thing that has been, that I'll give you two more tips that are really successful with this age group is first of all, don't expect a ton out of them. And I know that's going to sound a little like defeatist that, you know, of course we should be pumping them up and getting, the, getting them to try new things. But if you find something that works, it's okay to find something that works, especially this year. Um, if you are going to be out of camp with lots of restrictions, if they can play football in a small group, as if they're playing even with noodles or whatever you've had to do to modify it and they like it, lean on it a little bit. That's okay. When it comes time to introducing them to something new, don't try and hype it up. Don't try and tell them it's going to be great. Show them it's going to be great. And literally what I've done is I've taken a ball and I've thrown it at a kid and said, okay, we're going to play wall ball. And I throw the ball off the wall and he catches it. He throws it back. I said, okay, if you miss it, I get a point, et cetera, et cetera. And we just get into the game like that. That has been my best way of engaging uh, guys who are normally pretty resistant uh, to that engagement. So uh, show, don't tell. And if you find something that works, it's okay to repeat games. This is not the summer to be like, we're never going to play the same game twice because sometimes your catalog might be a little, little uh, limited. So don't be afraid of redoing the good ones. Yeah. And on a note, I remember having a conversation with you, Matt, like uh, probably back in November, or October time. And it was, you know, we are, as camp people wanted to always play this really creative new game that no one's ever seen before. And I remember saying something along the lines of like, we just played kickball and our kids had a great time. We didn't overcomplicate it. Yeah. We didn't try to do this crazy game. It was something simple. And the crazy thing for me is I know kickball. I played kickball growing up, but some of my kids had never played kickball before. It was the first time yeah. they were playing because because so often people try to do such creative things with them that they forget about these golden oldies, right? Like you get so caught up playing board games and stuff. You forget like shoots and ladders was a thing. You forget like, Oh, let's pull out monopoly or something, which is kind of a classic and I, everyone probably has played, but, um, but you forget about those golden oldies that you can just pull out and they're really simple. They're not difficult. They're not challenging, but they can provide the entertaining, uh, day or hour that you really need uh, with those kids. So yeah, like Matt said, don't try to overhype something crazy. Don't like even the example you give was a simple wall ball, right? Not yeah. overcomplicating this year. There are some great things that we've done in the past in human history that are just fine to pull out of your uh, pull out your hat. Um, and then Matt talks a little bit about that flexibility, right? Once, once uh, teens are getting older, they're going to start to have that ability to look at a rule, question that concept, and then put it to a test, right? That's really where the brain of a teenager is getting to. And, and they do understand when you say this is a hard and fast rule because a lot of teens are still understanding of, of law and order, right? Like they depend on that. They've grown up their entire lives and they've always had routine. So if that's continued to be there and it's put in a pretty systematic place, they, they can follow it. But also 
our teams are very capable now of questioning those rules, right? They have access to social media. They have access to um, this ability to question the entire world. If you say a fact, they can Google it, right? There's no, there's no way that they can't just question it nowadays. Yeah. So, um, so really, sometimes it is saying, "Hey, this rule about mask wearing is a pretty strict one." It's said by the CDC, that's an official place that does testing and has recorded research that we trust. And this method of scientific method is there. Uh, We have to be able to put some faith into some things and be dogmatic about it. And I am a person who does not like dogmatism, does not like just taking the hearsay. I enjoy learning and asking questions just like a teenager's do. And I think it's important sometimes to just look at just look at your teenagers and say, hey, look, I understand the why is really important. I understand to question things, but we also know there is a plethora of data and information out there that is defending this stance. And even if it's 87% correct, are you going to go with an unlucky 13 and say, all right, let's question it. Let's test it. Right. There's there it's for example, the little kid who keeps going, but why? But why? But why? But why? Teenagers are still doing this. They're just doing it in a very inquisitive way. Uh, <clears throat> and on that note though, I've had a pretty different a different experience with teens, um, especially older teens. So I'm talking about like the 15, 16, 17 year olds. I've found that the ones that I've been working with have been teens who have been more in leadership roles though. So I'll put that uh, little statement out there before. So the teenagers that I've been working with are ones who are trying to do their best and are trying to show and role model proper behavior. So that's been a very different thing. But with that note, I see that they do go above and beyond and they have this expectations of others to follow. Really the struggle that they're having is that as a teenager, they're coming to kind of moral compass time in their life, right? Where I like to think back about it, about like recycling, right? Like we all know we should be doing it. We all think about doing it all the time, but sometimes practicing it is really difficult. Uh, Like if you just have that water bottle and you're walking around in public and you don't know what to do with it and the only thing available are trash cans, most people unfortunately just throw it into a trash can. I was explaining to Matt how I'm very much the opposite person Um, and that currently I don't have recycling available to me at my camp. It's something we're working on. Thank you. Camp pros know it will be handled, but on that note, I've been saving all of my recycling in my personal house right now on camp property, because I know it has to get recycled and that's the disconnect. So as myself, an older individual, I can start to think about how can I practice this moral question that I've answered as what I'm supposed to be doing. Whereas a teenager is, st- is looking at it and going, I know it's right to do this thing, but I don't always remember to practice it, or it might not be easy to practice, and therefore I forget or I can cut that corner. And really, that's a big thing I think we see a lot with teenagers is we, a lot of people who have worked with teens in their life know that that's a huge pendulum swing for what direction they're going to be going in life. And it's just about making sure that you're there to help push them in the right direction with making those correct moral questions answered. And that is where I find a lot of te- uh, a lot of teenagers are at because you can have 
big life conversations with them. And now this summer, if you're going to be working with teams, just know that that question is going to be around things related to COVID. They're going to be asking you about vaccines. They're going to be asking you about mask wearing. They're going to be asking you about, you know, is the economy just as important as um, people's health, right? Or was there a bigger loss in taking care of people than there was to what we're going to be losing in this economic situation we're going to be in post-COVID? Or was the bailout that was granted in America worth it? Or were the you know actual governmental actions that Canada was deciding to try and do to um, keep everything operational? Were these good decisions? And the question is, <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> <It's> a... <laughs> the question for you is, how do I handle these? And it's not about giving them an answer. It's not going to be about saying, oh, yeah, I totally think that Canada was right when they decided to do such and such. Or I totally think that America was wrong when they decided to do such and such. It's about right. looking into them and saying, all right, let's evaluate the situation. We don't need to come up with right or wrong, because at the end of the day, we don't know always what was right and wrong. Uh, right. We don't know if what we decided to do is going to turn out well. We're living through history, which at this point in time is very tiring and exhausting to say. And the reality of it is really sad. I want to go back to just living and not know that we're going through an historical moment in time. But that means that our teenagers are going to have a lot of questions. They're going to have a lot of concerns and they're going to look to you as a role model to try and answer them. And some of them might have opinions that have formed but know that even if those opinions have started forming, they're still asking those questions because they haven't solidified yet. And they want to know if there's somebody that they can at least bounce these things off, off a clear answer. And that's your job to do. And it's going to be challenging. And I wish you the best of luck. If you need any help with it, please always reach out. Matt and I are obviously here to help um, if you had a dis difficult situation. And we're not, we're not going to give you an answer either. We're just going to ask you what you think about it. No, just kidding. We'll help you out. Yeah. <laughs> what you said there was so good, Oliver. I, I want to just like take that little snippet. That'll be the preview of the show. Cause I, I think that's so good We're we are living through history and it's not being right is not necessarily the most important thing in every conversation. I, I think this time has proven to me, um, that it's more just how we treat each other in the communities that we're in and that we make people feel welcome and safe and uh, which is all again in our camp mission statement. So uh, I like the idea of helping kids understand that their opinion or like whether they are right or wrong, isn't the most important thing. It, it's about how we are here together. Uh, especially when we are here together with people who believe different things than we are. I think that is the, the ultimate goal of summer camp, right? Is that we welcome kids in and we hope that they leave uh, a little better in some way. And if, if a kid comes to my camp and uh, you know, has some certain beliefs about masking and hangs out with some kids that have certain other beliefs about masking and they can leave camp as friends, I think we're going to have great adults in the world uh, come the next couple of years down the road. Yeah, I like the, there's the comment saying there's, uh, what is it? There's a lot of different ways to skin a cat or something, but that's kind of a poor imagery kind of thing. So I say there's a lot of methods to solve a problem. Uh, and it's really just understanding that we are all working together, hopefully to solve some of the problems that the world has, whether it is COVID, whether it is our economies, whether it is our personal uh you know, lives, whatever it might be, we are all trying to solve them to make the best world possible for us to live in. Um, and 
you know, there is no perfect world that we're eventually going to get to. If we ever did get to that point, that's the end of humanity as a whole. There's a lot of different theories about that as general, but the <laughs> uniqueness, the difference amount, the difference in people, how we solve problems, these things are what make our world so beautiful. So yeah, if somebody doesn't agree with a point that you're making, and you may even find that that is a dangerous belief, um, you still are going to be living on the planet with that person. That's, that's the deal. And that means that you as a human being, and I think Matt hit on this, can still be a caring, nurturing, um, and loving individual to whoever you interact in with your life. And that is a power you have. Uh, and I fully advance, I fully tell you to take advantage of it as a counselor. Well, okay. let's, uh, well, let's, let's get off our chats. I was going to say, let's get off our soapboxes for a second here and get over to the eggles. That was great. That was awesome. Yeah, right? I really like that. Yeah. Um, all right, cool. So our eggles are ever growing, ever learning a trick, a tip or a game or song for counselors to use to make themselves better every day. And Matt, I see you got something going on here with some wild animals. That's right. Wild animals. Uh, this is a game that you can play that is uh, very easily modifiable. I'll give you like the COVID safe version of it. Um, it depends. Uh, the kids in my school are allowed to like run around and play tag ish kind of games. So this game works. Uh, basically, if you split everyone up into three groups and one of those groups or, or it actually really doesn't matter how many groups, but you need to have more than two. Um one are the zookeepers and the other are the animals that are at the zoo. Um, and the story that you tell is that um, it was late one night, the zookeepers were asleep and the animals figured out how to get out of their cages or maybe um, a mischievous monkey or an octopus. Cause octopuses like to escape from their enclosures uh, came out and figured out how to unlock the cages. And uh, so when you, when you say the, uh, the animals are free, the cages, Kids can pick an animal that they want to be and they leave. So you're set up in like a triangle of pylons. There's the zookeepers at one and then two group, however many your groups of animals are equally spread out within a boundary. And when the animals escape, they can leave their cage and they have to run and move as an animal. Or you can, with the kindies, I often like, we pick which animal together so that everyone's being the same animal. It's a little easier for them to understand. Um, so I say the monkeys have escaped and they all have to run around like monkeys while the zookeepers with pool noodles, because that's a safe way to tag, the zookeepers with pool noodles run around and tag the animals. And if the animals get tagged, they just go back to their cone and the rounds are super duper quick um and then we give everyone new pool noodles uh, we, we switch the groups give them new pool noodles and they get to play again um great that game will take you about 15 minutes to play with three groups and perfect way to fill some time before lunch or if you find yourself with an extra quarter of an hour to fill zookeepers uh, all right. For my eggle is uh, go out and actually learn about local nature, wherever you're going. Uh, I, as many of you know, have recently located myself down in Florida. I've never lived south of the, um, uh, in the Southern United States. That's the way to put it, I guess. Yeah. I never lived down in this area. There's new uh, animals that I haven't experienced yet. Uh, some of those might be a caterpillar that I met today who, if he bites you, it hurts really bad. Also, ants haven't ever uh, never had to deal with those before uh, up north, other than like cute little ones that eat your food. 
these ants hurt you. <laughs> it's different. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> and I just started on insects, people, there's snakes, there's alligators, there's all those cool things you also know about, but, um, getting to know a little bit about the natural world around you when you go to camp is extremely important. Um, especially if you're moving to a new, uh, kind of environment, right. An actual new environment. So, uh, if you're moving across the States or you're going down South or up North for, um, for camp this year, just notes that there might be a different experience when you come to animals and it's more than just the, uh, lions, tigers, or bears. It's the small stuff too. And, um, yeah, caterpillar never even thought that would be dangerous in my life. And today I was like, Oh, I got scared because someone was like, that caterpillar will hurt you. And I was like, Oh no, what do I do? <laughs> but I survived. Right. There's yeah. You're still here. If, uh, if, yeah, if, if our, you're natural, if our host, uh, if our, if my co-host suddenly changes, you know, that Oliver has fallen victim to a, a Florida caterpillar. Yeah. Also like, just know the conditions change. Uh, it's what month is it? We're almost at the end of March right now. Go back like three videos ago and you'll see if you're watching us on YouTube, I have a very different complexion yeah. um, than I did. I've gotten very tan very quickly and it's March. So yeah. like no sunscreen, right? How often you need to use it and all these types of things or know the area you're moving to so that you can be properly ready to do some self-care and you don't end up getting bit by a brown recluse spider and getting taken out of camp, you know, for three weeks to a month. It's important. It's health stuff. I don't know. I, I don't doubt you. I, I don't doubt you, man. You got those, the animals and all those things that being aware of your natural surroundings um, is, is nice, not just for survival reasons, but definitely also for survival reasons. That's where we're at. Yeah, I have a, our nurse for here down at camp uh, has come to visit several times now. She's wonderful. And she keeps saying, don't worry, we'll take care of you. Don't worry, we'll take care of you. Like, <laughs> oh, God, what am I getting into? But um, <clears throat> so we'll see how it goes. What if um, if Matt has a new co-host next season, we'll see. We'll but just, that maybe that's uh, a new a new ending of, of each podcast episode will be uh, Oliver's nature Oliver's neat nature sightings. Yeah, okay. today I saw a new lizard that I had never seen before in my life. It was pretty cool. Was <laughs> Which also could kill you. That that lizard could also murder you. So you know. <laughs> no, no, I knew I knew that type of lizard. We're okay. It's like a slink or something like that. Um, uh-huh. Little tiny legs. And it looks like a worm, kind of. Um, but nonetheless, if you want to learn more about my nature uh, experiences, if you want to talk to us more about all the things we talked about today, if you want to have an open and honest uh, conversation about COVID and how you think your campers or your camp will be handling it this summer with somebody who's outside of your camp bubble, or you just want to have that good combo. Um, you know, Matt and I both have had experience working with kids during this pandemic. We both are overnight camp people. So obviously we know we can go more depth with those personal conversations and you can do that by getting in contact with us. So Matt, if someone's going to get in contact with you, how can they do so? Yeah. Feel free to email me at Matt, M-A-T-T, Matt with two T's at gocamp.pro. How about you, Oliver? Yep. If you want to get, if you want to get a hold of me, you can get me at oliver.gregan.scd at gmail.com. And that is 
our show. If you did enjoy it, we'd be so grateful you've left us a review wherever you're listening to this podcast. Your ratings and reviews not only tell us what you like and don't like about the show, but help boost our rankings and help more people discover what we do here. Also, please tell your friends, tell your family, tell your fellow camp nerds about the show, and you can find all of our show notes, uh, anything we talked about today, and more at gocamp.pro slash FCC, and check out all of the other great podcasts uh, that we do here at Go Camp Pro. We're up to seven now, folks. Uh, the Go Camp Pro Podcast Network can be found at gocamp.pro slash podcast. And remember, thanks for listening, friends. Camp is camp, and camp's all good. First Class Counselors is brought to you by Beth and Travis Allison, Summer Camp Leadership Training and Marketing Consultants. Thanks for listening, friends. Hey, Camp Pros. We love that our industry is built on sharing. In order to foster that spirit, if you've gotten even one good idea from a Go Camp Pro podcast, masterclass, from the Summer Camp Professionals Group, a conference, or wherever else, we ask that you give credit where credit is due. That way, it'll encourage camp pros to keep freely sharing their ideas and make the camp industry as a whole better.